0: Live with CDP, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast live on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, and on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Now here's your host, Chris Pame.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Live with CDP Podcast on this Saturday, June eleventh, two thousand and twenty-two. Uh, and I'm looking forward to my guest today, uh, Tony Ambrosio. He's a freelance story editor for TSN. I believe he's with TSN 1050, the radio station, and he's also um. Uh, the public address announcer for the OHL's Mississauga Steelheads. He's been doing PA announcing, I believe, since 2005. And he's also a teacher at Centennial College as well. So Tony is basically a jack of all trades in the media industry. And I'm really looking forward to speaking to Tony this afternoon about his career and also about sports, maybe some OHL, uh, the NHL, and the NBA as well. So uh, just bear with me, guys. And I'm going to bring on my guest, Tony. And one second.
0: Good afternoon, Tony.
1: How are you doing?
0: Hey, Chris. I'm well. How are you?
1: Good, good. I hope that opening intro was okay.
0: Yeah, it was very nice. Yeah, thank you. It's funny. It's I, I teach now at College of Sports Media, not so much at Centennial, uh, but still do a lot of work at TSN and uh, do the PA for the Steelheads, as you say. And uh, yeah, so I've been very busy, very lucky, very grateful.
1: And one of my uh, friends, uh, who's with KUBAT Canada and now a TSN analyst, uh with the National Cross League Pat Gregor said he had you as a teacher and Pat's a great guy by the way
0: yeah you know what I'm really happy to see Pat have the success he's had I remember him I think it was my he was in my first year of teaching at the College of Sports Media and Pat was one of those young students who reminded me of me 25 years previously young energetic hardworking, keen and I'm glad to see Pat have the success he's had. I've seen him on various uh, media platforms, social media platforms, and uh he's doing a really good job. I know about his love for lacrosse, and I'm really glad he's involved with that.
1: Yes, uh, I met him a couple years ago on a bus trip with uh, Elite Sports Tours. We saw the <laughs> Eagles, right he did that. yeah. Yes, we saw the Eagles and Packers at Lambeau Field, and uh I had a little few drinks at lambo and, and it, we had a great time and uh, me and Pat hit it off there and we became friends and then um, he was one of my first supporters when I started doing my podcast it was on Instagram live it wasn't very good but Pat uh, watched me he came on he gave me some advice and uh, he's been on my podcast now four times and he's turned me into a national lacrosse
0: league fan I'm hooked on the sport Well, it's funny. I never played indoor lacrosse, but my first radio job was in Owen Sound, and they've got a good, strong junior B, senior B lacrosse community. I remember going to my first lacrosse game inside in May of 1987, hot, stinky arena, and I thought, this is a great game. And then I would go to the odd Rock lacrosse game in Toronto at what was then the Air Canada Centre, and it seemed every time I went to a lacrosse game, there were fans around me who were going for the first time, who said, man, what a great sport. So, yeah, I understand why Pat and you are uh, such big lacrosse aficionados.
1: Yes, and um, I went to a Rock game in April. I loved it. Uh, the Rock won yeah. against San Diego. And then uh, uh, he hooked me up with his friend, John uh, Girk. I think Girkler if that's how you pronounce his name. He's a longtime uh, radio uh, voice of the Buffalo Bandits. And uh. about a, a month ago, he hooked me up with a media pass to come down to a Bandits rock game in Buffalo. And I got to experience a media game day experience. And I wrote a blog and and uh, I got to talk to John Tavares, their coach, and some players after the game. So, And then um, recently, the Toronto Argonauts and Mike Hogan uh, set me up with a media pass for a game against Hamilton here in Guelph. And I've been very lucky now to be getting these opportunities Opportunities.
0: You know, it's 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 amazing, isn't it, Chris? That when you just meet out and you reach out to people, you just never know. This is a a small yet close-knit broadcasting community, whether you've done it for 30 years or whether you've done it for three years. And people want to help other people have succeed have success. You know, whatever advice I can give, I try to give to people, and I know Pat and others and Mike Hogan. Guys, you've mentioned are the same way. It really is a close-knit community. We all want others to do well and enjoy the experiences we've had.
1: Yes, I've been very lucky. And um, I know I'm a bit older in life, but everybody's been treating me like uh just they haven't been like, Oh, you're too old to do this. Everyone's been very supportive. Good. And Good. I'm I'm guess I'm kind of doing this the unconventional way, but um, besides my podcast, um Tony, I'm also doing volunteer work with Rogers TV as a camera operator, which I love. And uh, and I'm with the National Basketball League of Canada as a media affiliate. So I'm trying to do as much as I can. And now I've taken up blogging. So I figure that's another skill. Uh, writing skills would uh, help me as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, as long as you enjoy it, Chris. To me, yes. and I say that to, I say that to all my students the very first day. Very first day of class, I always say, A, I admire you for having the guts to try something. This is a great opportunity. Not to sound corny, but you only have one life. Make the most of it. Go after it and good good on you thank you i've always had a passion for sports and i was always interested in
1: broadcasting but they didn't have this technology back in the 90s so yeah. i ended up taking law and security which i don't regret but um but now i do have the platforms and the technology aimed to do this and to be honest i told my guest this the other day tony uh mike mitchell from pro football he's a pro football writer in the states i said i don't know if i would have been ready to do this Back in my 20s, because I was kind of more quiet and shy. And I think sure. my current my current job is kind of help my skills into doing the podcasting, having to deal with the public and and having to write reports and deal with different types of people and stuff and ask questions and that as well.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right about the technology. I sometimes wish YouTube was around when I was starting out in, in the 1980s, 1990s, you know, and I wish yeah. I could have done podcasts. Now I was lucky. I got to do radio sports talk shows, got to talk to people that I idolized growing up. You know, the Danny Gallivans of the world, John Beliveau, Daryl Sittler, Ron Ellis, those kind of uh, players, those kind of athletes. So uh, I'm really glad you're getting to enjoy this experience.
1: Thank you. Now I had to, before I get into questions, Tony, I wanted to ask you one question. Um, I know you've uh, met Dave Keon and, and John Beliveau and Gordie Howe, but Tom Cheek, the late Tom Cheek, uh, what was that like meeting the uh, the legendary voice of the Toronto Blue Jays?
0: It was really cool. And it was funny. I was at a uh, London, Ontario, still at Fanshawe College, taking broadcasting journalism. And there was a Blue Jays winter caravan and there was Tom Cheek telling great stories that loud, booming, strong, imposing voice of his, almost intimidating, but I went up and I I talked to him and he gave me just a wonderful interview. And I just remember thinking, if I can approach a guy like Tom Cheek, surely I can approach other players and other broadcasters from all walks of life, from all different sports, because if they're as cool and as nice and as approachable as Tom Cheek, then I think I'm going to really love doing this and trying to pursue this dream.
1: I was going to say uh, about a year ago, I reached out to Jerry Howorth, and I figured I'd have no chance uh, on social media with him. He wouldn't even reply back. And within a day or two, he replied back and he came on my podcast and uh, talked to me for over an hour. And he's also uh, told me how much I've improved in the last year as well. And uh, if I can reach out to Jerry Howorth, I can pretty well reach out to yeah. anyone because he's one of the, the legends in the sport.
0: And, and, you know, I always try to use the philosophy. What's the worst thing that can happen? Well, the worst because thing is they say no. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. But the best thing is they say yes, and away you go. So good on you again for getting Jerry. He's a really uh, a class act and a wonderful storyteller.
1: Absolutely. I could have talked to him for five, six (laughs) hours, man. He has, he could write more books. He's got his, he wrote his one book and uh, I'm already in the middle of it. And it's a outstanding book and he's had so many stories, like you said.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and another guy that's so approachable and, uh, just a very nice attitude when he was at the ballpark, you know, very respectful of the athletes and the managers, but also respectful of you, the media and if he ever had advice, he wasn't afraid to help you out. And I really enjoyed my few interactions with Jerry over the years when I got to cover the Blue Jays and was at the, at, I was going to say Skydome, at Roger Center.
1: Yes. And I, and I was also lucky to get Dan Shalman to come on uh, yeah. last year as well. I figured I'd have no chance with him, but he was great. And he gave me a half an hour of his time. And as soon as I talked to him about the Tigers and Ernie Harwell, he just opened up. And that's one thing I've learned too with my podcast. Sometimes you have a guest and then you just bring up a certain subject and yeah. it just opens up to even a better conversation.
0: Well, I grew up in London, Ontario, so I'm very aware of Ernie Harwell, the longtime legendary Tigers play-by-play guy. My first game at Tiger Stadium, Chris, September of '87. I'm in my early 20s, and I wanted to meet Jerry. I wanted to meet Ernie Harwell, so I stood outside the press box. I don't know how I had the guts to do it, but I did. Security guard asked me what I was doing. I explained to him my situation. Five, ten minutes later, Ernie Harwell came out between innings, talked to me for a couple of minutes, signed my ticket stub. And it was an unbelievable experience just for those five, 10 minutes of meeting one of my broadcasting idols and Ernie Harwell.
1: Well, I have a story too. Uh, when I was 13 years old, uh, June 20, uh, my birthday is June 29th, but my cousins in Michigan took me to a game at Tagger Stadium, June 30th, 85 to see the, the Jays and Taggers at Tagger Stadium. And uh, Ernie Harwell signed a, a, a ticket stub for me from that game. And I still have it to this day. And it's nice. just awesome. Nice That's man, brilliant. nice autograph. And it's something I very uh, cherish. And I, I love hearing stories like yours as well.
0: Yeah, just what a class act. And again, you know, it, you just the worst thing you can, the worst thing that can happen if you want to try and meet someone, the worst thing is they say no. Yeah. And very rarely do you get that. Very rarely. Uh,
1: I would say nine times out of 10 when I ask uh, people to come on my show to speak with me, I would say yes. And even if someone does say no or they change their mind, I don't take it personally. I just move on from it.
0: Yeah, well said. You can't can't take it personally.
1: Definitely. Um, I was going to say, yeah, you've done pretty well. Everything in the uh, media industry as well. So uh, from TV Mm -hmm. to radio and, and you've seen how much it's changed over the years.
0: Yeah, you know what? That's so true. And I must admit, sometimes I'm wondering if I'm doing things right because the way, you know, what was acceptable back when I started 20 years ago is different now. You know, what's what you can and can't do has changed over the 20, 25, 30 years because of technology, because of social media, um, because of the immediacy of the information getting to people. Um, but I still, you know, I, I still believe in the old work ethic, work hard, try to be right not first, and be fair. And that's what I try to do. And the, and the big thing for me when I was reporting, I never wanted the story to be about me. I find today a lot of it is a, is about the reporter or the person on camera and the athlete. Well, it, my growth and what I believed was I'm not the story. The story is about this athlete, this team, this game. So those types of things have changed a bit in the industry. And at times I kind of get frustrated, but I realize the industry is changing and you have to adapt and I'm trying my best to adapt. I really like working at TSN. I learn a lot. I wish I was on the air more at TSN. Absolutely. But I I don't mind being behind the scenes, less stressful. And uh, I just do the best job I can.
1: I was going to say, if you had a choice between TV and radio, which medium do you prefer a little bit more? Great question.
0: You know, I, I would say, boy, I love the authenticity of radio, you know, giving your opinion, even though I'm not a big guy on opinion to me, I'd rather hear other people's opinions and give my own. Um, but I do love the power of TV, the power of the video, you know, the visual medium, uh, how that can have such an impact on people. But if I had to pick between TV or radio, if I had the best of both worlds, I would say, boy, radio. Yeah, I was going to say, I like TV and I'm, I love being with Rogers
1: TV as a camera operator, being behind the scenes. But I grew up in the 70s and there was sports, obviously, in TV. But a lot of the Argonaut games and Blue Jay games back in the 70s and early 80s were on radio because uh, the Argonaut games were blacked out with yeah. the CFL. And then the Blue Jays back then, they only had maybe 30 to 40 of their games
0: on TV for the whole year. You're right. You're right. And it's funny. I mean, I consider this kind of like a radio talk show interview, but we're doing this with a visual medium. So in a way, radio and TV is almost, they're almost one of the same nowadays in a lot of ways, but you're right about radio and the play-by-play aspect of it for the Argos back in the day. It was mainly on radio for sure.
1: CFRB 1010 with Bob Bob Bartina and Pete Martin.
0: That's right. And Pete Martin did uh, color for a number of years, as I recall.
1: Definitely. And Bob ended up going with the, uh, the tiger cats and then became the mayor of Hamilton as well. Right. Yes. Yes.
0: Crazy, crazy, crazy
1: world. Definitely, but uh, no. For me, it's always been radio because I used to listen to Tom and Jerry and record yeah. their games, and then I would listen to Ernie and Paul Carey with WJR with the Detroit Tigers, and then at nighttime I'd pick up KMOX KMOX in Saint Louis and listen to the legendary Jack Buck uh, That's call right. the Cardinal games. That's yes, right.
0: and one of my best friend in London, Ontario, was a Saint Louis Blues fan because he would hear the KMOX radio games growing up in London at night. That signal was so strong. It was like 50,000 watts, I believe. And it would cut right through the uh, right through the airways and right to London crystal clear. And that's how he became a Blues fan, listening to the great, late Dan Kelly.
1: Kelly, yeah. Now, I was going to ask you, when you lived in London, was it still a Detroit town or was it oh, split between Detroit and Toronto? Boy,
0: great question. It's funny. I was thinking about this, watching the Blue Jays-Tigers games uh, last night. It was pretty much 50-50. I think the older generation, they were Tigers fans. And the younger generation were Blue Jays fans. Remember, the Blue Jays came out in 1977. So before 77, you had the Tigers as your team, maybe the Expos, but the Tigers had been there longer than the Expos. So in London, which is, you know, two hours to Toronto and two hours to Windsor slash Detroit, it was, I would say it was pretty much 50-50 split down the middle. The older fans were Tigers fans, the younger fans, more predominantly Blue Jays fans. And I was, I was kind of, of I was kind of an outsider though, Chris. I was mostly an Expos fan. Oh, I that did not know that team. about yeah. you. Now, oh, uh. now I, I I'm a Blue Jays fan too, but it was Expos, Blue Jays, one, two, and then everybody else was three. Did you go to any games at Olympia St- Olympic I Stadium? I did. I went in 1994 with another good friend of mine, Dave Gross, who's in Ottawa. We went for three games against the Dodgers, and all three games had forty thousand people. The Expos swept the series, Rondell White, Marquise Grissom, Larry Walker, Moises Alou, Cliff Floyd, you know, a young, exciting 1994 Expos team that was on the way to making the playoffs, maybe on the way to the World Series before baseball's labor rules got in the way in August of uh, 1994. But yeah, the Expos were my team, and I love that series. The fans were so good in Montreal. So much fun in 94.
1: They should have won two World Series, as far as I'm concerned, at least. They certainly had a chance.
0: They certainly had a chance, no doubt. Yeah.
1: 1981 and, and 1994. Now, um, I did go to two Expos games. My late father uh, as a family, we went to Philadelphia in 1984. Uh, July 27th and July 29th, I saw the Expos take on the Phillies at Veterans Stadium and I saw Pete Rolls play for the Expos, Gary Carter, Andre Dawson, Tim Raines, Tim Wallach, and then for the Phillies, Mike Schmidt and Steve Carlton and what an experience that was. And everybody said, said the vet was a dump, but as a 12-year-old kid from uh, Guelph Ontario I loved that experience and I was so lucky my uh, late father took me to see the Expos play there
0: yeah it's great memories And know I had never had gone to a game in Philadelphia but I remember when the Expos beat the Phillies in 81 to win like that half that weird half division thing and I remember Warren Cromarty with the Canadian flag draped over his back that was a pretty cool memory as a young Expos fan for me and I was going to say,
1: ironically, right now, the Phillies are managed by Rob Thompson, who's Canadian. from Sar- Sarnia, yeah. Ontario. So, right. and, the, and the Phillies have won eight in a row right now. Yeah, right.
0: The Canadian touch working in Philadelphia.
1: Definitely. And uh, I did go to Citizens Bank Park a few years ago. It's a really nice ballpark if you ever get a chance to go there.
0: Yeah, you know, the ballparks today, hey, man, there's some beauties. I was lucky to be in Texas at the old stadium, uh, Arlington, Arlington. I forget what it was called, but it was in Arlington before they moved to the new one this year. I've been in St. Louis at the new Bush. That's a beautiful stadium. Yes. I mean, when the roof is open at Rogers Center I, and the sun is shining, I think that's a great place to be. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of Cleveland. Uh, the ballpark there, I think, is pretty cool. So, yeah, and, of course, new Comerica Park in Detroit, Camden Yards in Baltimore. I've been lucky to be there as well. So uh, even the Tropicana Field in uh, in Tampa. I know, you know, people call it a dump and all, but in that heat, you understand why it's an enclosed surface. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot right
1: now. Favorite ballpark in the American League and the National League so far you've been to?
0: So for me, the National League, I would say, I would say Bush Stadium in St. Louis. Just the baseball fans are really passionate there, and, and the park is pretty cool. And you know what? In the American League, I'm going to say Camden Yards in Baltimore. Really cool. The history, the feel, the weirdness of the design and the outfield to me—that's my favorite American League park that I've been to. And I've been to Fenway and to to Yankee Stadium. Good ballparks, great ballparks. Don't get me wrong, but I always liked Camden a bit more. I've not been to Camden Yards as yet, but I
1: would say my favorite ballparks right now would be PNC Park in oh, Pittsburgh yeah. and Fenway Park because of the history. So I would say. Yeah. Yeah, and I've been, Boston.
0: I've, been to PNC. I've, I've been to PNC. That is a beautiful park. You're oh, right. Park. there's something to me about Bo Stadium. Maybe it's because the the history of baseball there.
1: Oh, yes. And the game I went to there in 2015, I saw the Cardinals beat the Padres. It was 108 degrees. So when oh. you go to St. Louis in the middle of July, be prepared to drink a lot of water because no it gets kidding. hot down there. But it is <laughs> a great stadium.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It does get hot. I remember going to Baltimore camden yards and it was so hot i had sweat sweeping through two levels of t-shirts onto my shirt it was it was stinky hot for sure definitely
1: okay um you okay for some questions hit me okay first one tony can you just tell my audience just a little bit about yourself and when did you when did you decide you want to pursue a career in broadcasting and media
0: well i always joked that i knew i wanted to be a broadcaster when i was a day old um it's something that I just grew up with. I used to watch the hockey games with my with my family, my dad, my grandfather, and I do the play-by-play myself and kind of bother them. So I would say I was really young, probably 8 or 9 when I realized I really wanted to do it. And I decided to pursue it probably in my grade 11, grade 12 year in high school. I thought, you know what? I live in London, Ontario. Fanshawe College has a world-renowned broadcast journalism course. I applied. I got lucky to get in and then I went to Fansha, and uh, from there I was able to get jobs in news first in Owen Sound and then uh, moved on to to the score, to Sportsnet, to TSN. So have been very, very lucky. But I would say I decided to pursue it when I was young, probably about 16, 17 years old and uh, really lucky that I got to do stuff on the air. It was a lot of news, right? I got to cover city hall and board of education meetings and election nights and do newscasting and but a lot of local sports too, right? Local lacrosse games, junior B hockey, OHL hockey, which I really, really enjoy. Um, so yeah, just, uh, when I decided to do it, I went full bore and I'm glad I did because I've really met so many incredible people and I've done so many incredible things.
1: And that answers my next question. I've I've been working on my listening skills. Jerry's uh, Jerry Howarth and Eric Smith have got me into that uh, listening skills. Obviously, you went to Fanshawe College in London. Yes. Now, one of my favorite guests I had on is a teacher with Fanshawe. Did you ever have a Jim Van Horn as one of your teachers?
0: No. So you're not talking the TSN Jim Van Horn. You're no, talking the, Jim Van Horn who teaches at Fanshawe.
1: Yeah, and uh, he's a London Knights uh, color yes. analyst.
0: Yes. No, I did not have Jim as a teacher, but I know Jim because again, small broadcasting world. I'm from London. He grew up outside the area. He used to go to my dad who was a barber and my dad would cut Jim Van Horn's hair. So cool. kind of, we met through that. And then through broadcasting talking about small world. Uh, but I, in fact, I talked to Jim about six weeks ago because he's retiring from uh Fanshawe college as the broadcasting Dean of the Dean of dean, broadcast yes. journalism. So I was just talking, I talked to Jim, my goodness, we talked about an hour, just congratulating him on his career and kind of reminiscing over the times we've had over the years and uh, the success he's had in his career.
1: Yeah, he's been very supportive of what I'm doing, and uh, I'm hoping to have him come on my podcast again, and I I should get in touch with him about him uh, uh, retiring from the Fanshot College, but I'm hoping he'll stay on with Mike Stubbs to do the London Night Games on, uh, I think, 980 News in London.
0: And and I suspect he will. Chris, just based on my conversation, I, I think he loves doing that, and I think he'll continue to do that
1: really nice guy. and Mike Stubbs is uh, another great guy. And like you said, everyone I've met in your industry has been really supportive and great of what I'm doing. Now, my next question I wanted to ask you, obviously you went to Fanshawe college in London. Did you have any mentors when you were first starting out?
0: Wow. That's a great question. Um, Boy, it's funny. I I worked with a lot of great people. Um, Fred Wallace, who does the play-by-play in Owen Sound was someone that I really admired when I got to work with him. Now, he's about four or five years older than me, but I always thought that guy is talented, much more talented than me. So I, he kind of became a guy that I kind of, we're still very close friends, but he was a guy that I really admired and, and learned a lot. Uh, but as far as mentors, you know, I had so many people that I liked, you know, from Danny Gallivan to Jim Houston to Dan Shulman, play-by-play guys to, to anchors, Rod Smith. I don't know if they were so much mentors, but they were people that I admired and people I tried to, you know, try to Elliot Friedman, people that I tried to say, okay, this is how it should be done because this is how they do it. And I try to keep that in the back of my mind and try to follow the positives of what they were doing in my career.
1: Okay. Cause I usually ask my guests about the mentors cause I, I really don't have one myself, but everybody that comes on my podcast from your industry, I just try to take some of their advice and apply it to what I'm doing as well. Not to try to copy their style, but to, sure. uh, to, to bring my own style, be myself and, Absolutely. and always remain professional and keep working hard too.
0: Yeah. And I think that pretty much sums up how I look at it too. You know, I mean, to me, Elliot Friedman, Boy, he works hard. Like not too many people work as hard as Elliot Friedman. And that guy has earned a lot of respect, a lot of trust over the years. And uh, that's one thing I've always admired about Elliot.
1: And I love hard work and that's what I want to do. And Chuck sworsky I've had on too. And that's what the first thing he says, he goes, I'm Chris. I might not be the most talented guy in the NBA, but no one will outwork me as a broadcaster in the National Basketball League. And to this day, I remember what he said to me about that.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I think what Chuck says is something that a lot of broadcasters take to heart. I will work hard because you have to. There's so much competition out there. There's so many people that want to be involved in the industry, and it is a small industry, although with podcasts and, and the technology, it might be bigger than it once was. But there is no doubt that you have to work very hard to crack this broadcasting nut
1: absolutely. And to me, this doesn't feel like work. I really enjoy this. I, this to me doing a podcast with all my guests is like me playing sports again, because this is something I really have a passion for and enjoy. And and I'm trying to continuously improve every podcast show. It's
0: good for you. And I think that's a great attitude to have really. I think that's the best way to look at it. And uh, good on you. Thank you.
1: One thing also, uh, I've got to learn to be patient too. things. Getting into a career takes time. You're not just going to do it overnight. So the way I look at it, Tony, is I've come a long way in two years from starting up two and a half years ago. And I just have to keep working away at it.
0: Absolutely. And again, I, I tell the students this the first day, if you love it, it's not work. Right. Just keep doing it. Keep pushing it keep reaching for the stars. If I can quote the great Casey (laughs) way back in the day, Um, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars, but just work hard because it's what you want to do. And again, I'm not trying to sound corny or hokey. We've only got one life, right? So you might as well make the most of it if you can. And if this is what you want to do, I encourage everybody to do it. And because the technology that we have today, you can do a podcast. You can do these types of things. You can blog. You know, you can be heavily involved in social media. So go for it. Definitely. My next question I wanted to ask you is uh,
1: Did you do any volunteering and internships when you were first starting out in the industry?
0: Yeah, I did quite a bit. Uh, interned at radio stations in London and also a TV station in London. At the time, it wasn't Rogers Cable as much as it was McLean Hunter. So I remember high school. You know, I would, and even on sound, we do high school play by play basketball and high school football play-by-play or color, same thing with hockey. So I did a lot of that stuff, and I was lucky because I wanted to do either play-by-play or color or reporting or on the air, and that was a volunteering position that they had places for. I remember hosting a talk show, uh, volunteering for hosting a talk show on the Owen Sound Players of the OHL and interviewing players like Andrew Burnett and Jamie Storr and Kevin Weeks. And that was kind of a volunteering thing I did as I was starting out in my career. So, yeah, I would recommend doing volunteering, doing internships. If you can, Uh, definitely do it for sure.
1: Definitely. And I'm I'm also, Tony, hoping uh, this summer through my contacts with Rogers to maybe start getting into a radio station once a week, even if it's a volunteer position, just to get behind the scenes of a radio station and gain more experience as well.
0: Good for you. Yeah. Now, again, the industry is changing, so I don't know how many radio stations really have a lot of bodies anymore, but good mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. The worst thing, again, as I said before, worst thing they can say is no. No. But uh, like you
1: said, I'm not going to give up on my dream because this is something I have a passion for. And uh, one of my, I guess he's sort of one of my mentors or idols is Vince Paupale. He uh, He became a Philadelphia Eagle in 1976 as a 30-year-old bartender. And uh, his story has kind of inspired me. And um, I just love hearing stories from my guests because it just keeps me motivated because everyone that comes on here has a different story and how they got into their career.
0: Absolutely. And that was, a, they turned that into a movie. They yeah, Invincible. In a movie. Yeah, that's Invincible. right. Invincible. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Pretty cool story. Definitely. Um, and you're right. I, it's a, and to me, so many of the stories that involve my career involve people I've met along the way who have helped me out, who have encouraged me, who have been part of a story that I was working on, you know, so really lucky that way for sure. Okay.
1: Now you already answered my next question about your first job in radio TV. Were you nervous the first time (laughs) you were on radio and going on TV?
0: Oh, very much so. Very much so. I mean, you realize this is everything you've worked for. So you do get nervous, but I think nerves are good because it means you care, you know? If you weren't nervous, you'd wonder how much you really care. So I I do remember that. I do remember my first, one of my first reporting gigs in Owen Sound and Radio, I had to cover a house fire and this poor little family lost their house. And I interviewed the father of the family. Great interview, very powerful. I checked my tape recorder and I wasn't recording. I messed up. So I had to dig up the nerve to say, can I interview you again? And I did. And he was very gracious with his time. But that was an important lesson. A, don't be afraid to ask people some tough questions. Again, the worst they can say is no. And B, make sure you're prepared. Make sure your equipment is working. Make sure your equipment is on. Make sure everything is honky dory. And uh, I learned a valuable lesson early on in my uh, career in Owen Sound at CFOS Radio.
1: I have a quick uh, story, too, and that's great advice. I did an interview with one of the writers for the Buffalo Bandits after the game I attended recently, and his name was Griffin. But for some reason, when I started the interview live, I called him Blake because one of my favorite basketball players Blake. is Blake Griffin. <laughs> so, But after the interview, I said, hey, do you want to scrap this uh, three-minute interview that I put on my uh, YouTube channel uh, because I, I, I got your name wrong? And he goes, no, he was so cool about it. And I apologized, and he was so cool about it and and stuff like that, too. So mistakes do happen, but it's how you respond to them and how you learn from them.
0: Yeah, well said. Absolutely. And that's great advice for anybody out there watching.
1: Definitely. So um, my next question I wanted to ask you is how did you end up at Sportsnet and what was that experience like, Tony?
0: So I was at the score. I was a reporter at the score, but the score made some cutbacks. They, They were making the staff a bit smaller and tighter and younger. So I was let go from Sportsnet. But fortunately for me, one of the one of the key people in the newsroom, Glenn McDonald, worked with me at the score. So Glenn brought me on board as a freelancer. So I was a freelance reporter. Got to cover a lot of Leafs, some Raptors, and a lot of Blue Jays. Got to do a lot of traveling. I was there for a few years as a freelancer, and I really liked it. The people at Sportsnet were great. Those, my colleagues, whether they were the camera guys, producers, editors, assignment desk people, all were just top-notch. Just really enjoyed my time at Sportsnet. But again, I was a freelancer. Management made some changes at Sportsnet. They wanted to do different things, they wanted to use different people, so they stopped using me. And I understand that that comes with the territory, but as far as my experience at Sportsnet, it was incredible. And I got there because of people that I had known who moved on to Sportsnet and still liked the work I did, brought me aboard, and it was a wonderful experience. Got to cover a lot of cool things. Unfortunately, the Maple Leafs weren't that great, the Blue Jays were kind of struggling, and the Raptors weren't quite where they are now, so I got to cover some teams that were okay, but nothing like the Toronto sports teams we see today.
1: But it was still a great experience. Regardless. Oh, wonderful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know what it is, Chris, it's the people like, yeah, the work is great, but it's the people you work with that you remember. And, and I can go about any, you know, wherever I've worked radio and on sound at the score television network right now with TSN at College of sports media at Centennial. It's the people you meet that make your work experience extra special.
1: And uh, even volunteering with Rogers TV right now, I really enjoy the crew I work with. I enjoy my producer, Neil White, and everybody's been so great with me. And it it makes it, it doesn't feel like work. It just makes it a fun experience and a learning experience.
0: Exactly. And that's what it's supposed to be. I mean, this isn't like what you and I are doing. We're not on the operating table and we're not surgeons. We're not trying to perform heart surgery here we're just talking sports. We're just talking about whatever. And if we make a mistake, it's not a big deal. You laugh it off and you move on. Whereas the person that's doing the surgery, well, if they make a mistake, it could could be death. It could be a very big mistake. So I always try to keep that in the back of my mind. I know I would get mad at myself if I didn't do a great job, but I always have to tell myself, okay, relax. Nobody got seriously harmed there's still another day we can do better tomorrow, right? So that's kind of was, was always my attitude with that.
1: And that's why I like doing live because, hey, sometimes things happen uh, mm-hmm. with, with guests, uh, some, something happening with the guests where their internet Wi-Fi goes down or they have some kind of meeting they have to leave. So Eric Smith gave me some advice. He goes, always be able to ad lib and think on your feet too in case things don't always go smoothly, uh, even with a podcast and TV, radio, etc.
0: Yeah. And that's, and one of my advice to all my students is be prepared, be prepared and be adaptable because things are always changing. So you have to be prepared and be willing to adapt to changing circumstances, whether it's on the fly or something that's happened later in the day or whatever, just be willing to adapt to things that can change.
1: And, and 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 that's what I'm trying to to apply to all my podcasts and, and stuff like that. Because even doing Rogers TV, some things uh, don't always go smoothly at a broadcast. And you just have to go with what the, the producer yeah. wants you to do and, uh, and get through. But that's what I love about it.
0: Yeah, you're right. And I think that's why I know for me when I was younger, I could never do a 9 to 5 or an 8 to 4 job because it was too regimental. With broadcasting and reporting every day is something different. You just never know what's going to happen. So that's, I always like the uniqueness and the excitement of something new every day.
1: Definitely. And I, and that's why I'm looking to get into this career because I want a, something I can learn every day and something new challenges every day as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good for you. Thanks.
1: Um, you still okay for a few more questions? Sure. Okay, no problem cuz I know the Jays game is on right now against oh, the yeah. uh, Tigers from Comerica Park. I guess it's a 4-10 first pitch today.
0: So Right, right. Nice but, win yesterday.
1: Yeah, unfortunately for the Tigers, they're uh, they're a mess right now and uh I I hope some changes come uh soon with their general manager because uh I don't think a rebuild should be going 7 years or even longer now in Major League Baseball.
0: Yeah, I I hear you, and I kind of think the same thing for Baltimore Orioles fans. You know, they've been through a tough time, too, for quite a while. Definitely
1: so. Uh, This question I wanted to ask you, Tony, uh, can you just tell us about your career role with TSN right now as a freelance uh, story editor, and what's a daily day like as a story editor?
0: Well, yeah, that's the beauty of a story editor. You never know what your day is like. One day I could be covering golf, one day it could be hockey, one day it could be baseball. So as a story editor, we put the video that you see on TSN Sports Center. So if Ryan Rashog is doing a report and you see video during his report, that's covered by people like me. The freelance editor, we get the video, we put it together, we put the graphics on there, we make it look nice, we cut it together with a video editor. We are the we kind of paper edit the piece and the video editor puts it together. So sometimes we're doing stings, 30-second quick hits, quick. Th- quick visuals. Sometimes you're doing bumpers, kind of promoting what's coming up next. So it's whatever you see in sports center, people like myself, story editors are involved in putting that together, whether it's not only sports center, it could be part of the that's hockey show. It could be uh, the, 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 the tennis stuff that we do on the air, the CFL broadcast, all that video that you see, all those pieces that you see are helped put together by story editors. And the beauty of it is every day is different. You never know what you're going to get until you get there. What's the average time of a piece that you normally do? Or yeah, it just great depends? question. Yeah, great question. It, it's hard to say because it depends. But I would say pieces can run anywhere from two to three and a half, four minutes, and sometimes they're only thirty seconds. Sometimes a sting is only thirty seconds. So a sting is one of those really quick pieces that you see where you see a bunch of different quick video pieces in thirty seconds to kind of hype up a story. So let's say you want to hype up tonight's Stanley cup playoff game between the Rangers and the lightning. You might do a sting to promote the game. And then you would come out of that sting where the anchor would say, Hey, tonight game six lightning Rangers, and then might go to some sound from the players, or you might hear a report on the game, something like that. So yeah, they, they can range anywhere from 30 seconds with quick shots to two, two and a half minute highlight pack. To a two two and a half minute video story from a Mark Masters or what have you. It's every day. It's something different.
1: Now, how many other people are working with you Ooh, with this,
0: or are you question. by yourself? No, that's a great question. There are so many. I don't know how many people are doing my role per day, but if I had to guess, probably 150.
1: Wow. Yeah, yeah a <laughs> day.
0: Yeah, you, you just don't, it's unbelievable because we are watching everything. Tennis matches, um, uh, golf, whatever it is, LPGA, whatever it might be, we're watching it all. Every baseball game, every basketball game, every hockey game, someone is watching that, putting a piece together just in case we miss, that way we don't miss anything.
1: And yeah. like you said before, you mentioned this, it's not your typical eight to four or nine to five no. job. The hours yeah,
0: vary. Like I'm working tonight. At five-ish. Um, some days some people start at 7 p.m. to three. Some days they start at 8 a.m. Yeah, there are lots of shifts all day. We're making sure we have as many sports covered and as many bases covered.
1: Okay. Uh since you're leaving at five, I, I'll I'll speed up the questions a little bit. No, no, so, no. Worries. Okay. Okay, no problem. This one I wanted to ask you. How did you come about being a teacher? Obviously with Centennial College and then what you're doing currently. And what do you enjoy the most about teaching students about the media industry?
0: So it's funny. I got into it because somebody from Centennial contacted me, said they had an opening. I went for an interview and I got it. And then while I was teaching there at the same time, uh, College of Sports Media, Dave Lannis contacted me. So Dave Lannis and I go back to the score days. So Dave knew me, knew me well and uh, said, would you like to teach? I have an opening. And I kind of got involved that way. So again, Chris, it's through networking through people that I worked with. It's through people that, you know, right. That you, you, you kind of garner a good, strong reputation. And you just never know what's going to happen. Uh, what do I enjoy most? I would say just the enthusiasm and the, the interest they have in this business. To me, when I see these young people, I go, boy, there's so much talent out there. So much talent. And to me, that's what I enjoy the most seeing the talent of these young people, seeing how hard they work, seeing their passion for this business, you know, much like yourself, seeing the passion they have and the drive and the desire they have. That's what I like most about teaching students in the media industry today is their passion, their desire, their drive to be a part of it. And their work ethic. It's incredible. how Hard. Some of these young people work.
1: I was going to say, and what's how many students are in a, a normal class for you?
0: Yeah. So about 20, about 20 students per class. I teach, I teach two classes a day. So about 40 students per day. Wow. Okay. Did not know that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, and listen, not everybody wants to be on air. Some students want to shoot a camera. Some students want to video edit. Some want to produce, some want to write, you know, for a blog or for a digital broadcasting print form, if you will. So yeah, everybody has different aspirations, different desires different goals and i just do my best to encourage them to give them some tips that i've learned over the years and uh they're just i'm just so impressed by them so impressed. okay one one thing i wanted
1: to ask you since i had you on here what? now i've talked to jim van horn and lisa drew from 570 news they, they both teach while well jim at fanshaw lisa drew with 570 news in kitchener and they both feel they, that that I could go to school for this, but they Jim feels that I'm also doing the work that I would be doing in school. I was going to ask you, do you think I should take some more schooling and do some more stuff to uh, improve myself?
0: Yeah, I think my only concern with that would be financial, right? it's yes. not cheap to go to school. No, you know, and it's really hard to work while you're at school. Because I know where I teach at the College of Sports Media, the hours are all over the place. Students are there in the morning, at night, on weekends, sometimes overnight getting projects done. So uh, to me, I think this is a great building block for you right here. Okay. Um, Yeah, and you're meeting a lot of people through it. So, you know, I, I don't want to ever not encourage people not to go to school. But I think for different people at different stages of their life, you have to think of the financial implications if you do. And I'm not yeah. so sure it would be a wise, you know, a safe financial thing to to do to go back to school.
1: Okay, because I just want to yeah. make sure whatever I, I I need to do to get in this perf- industry, I w- I'm willing to do it, and that's why I yeah. wanted to ask you, Tony, just to get your advice as well on that.
0: Yeah, I understand that, and but I think you're doing a lot of it with here, with shooting camera for Rogers. That's great. You know, that you're already you've already got your foot kind of in there. You know. Okay. So, yeah. And then the
1: NBL of Canada, they've yeah, given me an opportunity yeah. to yeah. yeah. And then I'm um, I'm learning to do live interviews now and uh, speak to people, coaches and players. So I'm just trying to do as much as I can and and just try to keep
0: improving all the time. And that's what we do at our school too. Do as much as you can. Try a bit of everything. Say don't say no to anything. Um, try everything. See what you like and pursue what you like. Definitely. When
1: I was in school, Tony, I had okay marks, but I think if I went back to school now after working for a while, I think my marks would be better because I've had life experience. And just when I was younger, I didn't know what, I didn't have a focus and a passion knowing what I wanted to do. And, 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 and you, like you said, it's not how you start the game or start life. It's how you finish it.
0: Yeah, you're right. And, and I would say, I think what you're saying probably a lot of people would agree with that you didn't have that focus when you were younger. You know, you didn't have that determination. But now as you're older, you're more mature. You realize what you want. But I think the practice you're getting, Chris, is very much like going to a school today.
1: Okay, well, I appreciate that because I've had a few naysayers say, oh, you're too old or you don't have the uh, the uh, broadcasting journalism degree. But uh, majority of people have been pretty positive towards what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, it's a different world now, right? Because of the social media world and, and the podcast world, it is a different type of industry now. And I'm not so sure the colleges are as prepared for the new media as they think they are. And I think your experience gives you a leg up on even some of the colleges today.
1: Well, thank you for the compliment, and that means a lot coming for me because I've always enjoyed your work um, on, on the sports and Sportsnet to score, TSN, Thanks. along with one of my other guests, Barry Davis, another oh, great yeah. guy
0: I've had on. Yeah, really Barry great guy. and I go way back. Yeah, very good yeah. guy.
1: Yes. Now, this one I wanted to ask you because I've had a few PA announcers come on. I have had Tom Cahoon from the St. Louis Blues come on, and uh, Mike Ross from the Maple Leafs, and uh, Adam Goss from the Argonauts what's it like being a public address announcer for the OHL's Mississauga Steelheads and how did you uh, come about this role? And do you have any advice for someone like me who's been offered a public address announcer job, which I've never done before in my life, which I'm going to be starting in July?
0: Do it. That's my first advice. Do it. Take your time. Read what you have to read when you're, when you're promoting the home team, have lots of energy. And if you make a mistake, don't let it bother you. Okay. Okay. Because, you know, you're human. We all make mistakes. That'd be my advice. Have fun with it. Enjoy it. Be positive. Be energetic for the home team. And just just go for it. Um, I like being the PA announcer. I enjoy it. I enjoy OHL hockey. I, I have a terrible view <laughs> in the corner. Um, So I kind of watch the game from a TV monitor, but that's fun. I love the energy when there's a good crowd and there's a good game. I love getting the crowd pumped up. You know, Steelhead's goal. You know, just punching, punching it, getting excited. I love that energy. I got the role because there was an opening and they had auditions and I auditioned and I, I got the job. I got lucky enough to get the job and uh, I've really enjoyed it. I think I've done it for 15, 16, 17 years now. I've lost track. I've started with Patrick O'Sullivan. You know, that's how old I am. And now I get to see these young players like Luca Bell Baluz and Owen Beck, who could be first round NHL picks in a couple of weeks. So I really enjoy it. I wish I had a better view, but that's just me crying. You know, the best part of it too, Chris, is I get to the game kind of early if I can. I love talking to the scouts. You know, there's there's various scouts. You see Terry Doran from the Flames or Todd Button from the Flames. And uh, I've got close to Al Heppel who works for the uh, Coyotes now, used to be with the Avalanche. And, and I just love talking to the scouts, kind of getting their... Thoughts on this these players and this league and what's going on in hockey. I love that part of it, too. I just love being part of uh, that hockey vibe. You know, being at the rink, it's great. And I love going early and seeing the arena dark and the seats empty and just watching people come in and watching the players do their routine pregame. It's, it's fun, and I really enjoy it. But to me, my advice, energetic for the home team and just go for it. Okay, I will take yeah. your advice. Um, now that you've been with the, the Mississauga
1: franchise for 17 years, long-term, obviously, Elliot Kerr is the owner. He will, used to be a part owner with the Storm. Do you feel the WHL will last in Mississauga long-term?
0: That's a great question. I don't know. Um, there's part of me that's almost surprised it's lasted this long. And I say that because I know of the troubles and the, and the difficulties of trying to get fans. And then you lost basically two playoff years because of COVID. One full year, no playoffs. And then one year where you lost some regular season games and the playoffs. And that's tough to overcome. Now, this year they did okay, but it was a struggle because you had to close off fans for a couple of weeks. Then it could only do 50% capacity. So the, the last three years have been difficult for the OHL in general and have been really difficult for Mississauga. I don't know if they can survive, but I've been saying that for 10 years, and here they still are. I give Elliot Kerr a lot of credit for his determination to make it work. I just think in the Mississauga area, there are too many things going on. Leafs, Raptors, Blue Jays, Rock and Hamilton. You've got MLS, the Toronto FC. You've got various other levels of basketball, levels of of, of soccer, levels of hockey. So, this dollar is stretched pretty thin here in the uh, Mississauga, Greater Toronto area. But uh, I, I'm i surprised they're still here. If they've made it this long, I don't see why they can't make it another 10 years. Okay. I
1: still want to call that arena the Hershey Center. It's yeah. now the Paramount Fine, Fine Food Center. Center. Yeah. I'm still, I still, I'm so used to That's the Hershey a few Center. years,
0: I think, now they, yeah. they called it that. But yeah, the Hershey Definitely. Center was certainly the original name.
1: Okay, Uh, just two more quick questions I wanted to ask you. This one I wanted to put you on the spot. The OHL final, who do you have, Windsor or Hamilton, coming out of the OHL?
0: So before I had Hamilton winning, the series is 2-2. Hamilton's got home ice, so I can't change. I can't deviate from that prediction, Chris. I think it's going to be Hamilton, but I give Windsor a lot of credit. They've really given Hamilton a hard time. I think Hamilton came in on a an enormous, and I forget the number, and I apologize. 12-game 12,
1: 12, 12 winning streak.
0: 12-game winning streak. I don't think they had lost a game in the playoffs. That much I do know. And then if you go back further in the regular season, they hadn't lost six or seven games before the playoffs even. So they are uh, really a powerhouse team. Uh, Jack eye in defense. Hayes. Um, obviously McTavish up front. They've got a lot of veteran players, a lot of really good players. Well coached with Jay McKee. Uh, so I think the Bulldogs will win, but boy oh boy, I got to give Windsor credit. Mark Sabard has got that team playing hard, uh, and I, you know you watch the game, game four. If Windsor wins that, they were just a couple minutes away from winning it. Windsor wins it, they're up three-one. That's a tough hurdle for Hamilton to overcome. But I think now that Hamilton's got it back to two-two with home ice, I think the Bulldogs will be tough to beat.
1: Okay, I got Spitfires in seven, but
0: you nice. might be right win in Hamilton. Wow, Woo! would that be something? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. So I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow. Um, So anyways, I know uh, I just want to wrap this up. This one I wanted to ask you, uh, what has been your, I'm not going to say favorite, but what has been your most memorable story and interview you've covered in your career so far and and favorite athlete or athletes you've enjoyed interviewing?
0: But Those are great questions. I must admit, probably my most memorable story was my Dan Marino interview. So I'm growing up in London I'm going to this, can be, this might be a long story so I apologize. So I grew up in London Ontario. A huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. In the 1980s they weren't very good. Dan Marino was about to be drafted into the NFL and I was praying to God that they would the Steelers would pick Dan Marino. Well they didn't. And there's a hole in my family's basement because they didn't pick Dan Marino. I was, I was so angry <laughs> I kicked the, the panel in my mom's and dad's basement so I apologize for that. So So the Steelers didn't draft Marino. Marino goes on to a great career with Miami, and good for him. So all these years later, I'm working for the score, and Dan Marino's in Niagara Falls. So I got to interview Dan Marino, and I'm excited. I drive to Niagara Falls to interview Dan Marino. Problem was, Dan was involved in a charity golf tournament. He was still playing. Then he had to do a charity poker tournament. So apparently he did interviews before he played golf but I was told he would do them after. So I missed the the portion of interviews he did beforehand. So I get to Niagara Falls. My cameraman and I wait three hours for Dan Marino. So Dan plays golf, then plays poker. He's done. He's tired. He's exhausted. He comes off the poker table. I approach him for the interview. He says, another interview? Come on. So he had done his interviews before and he was tired. He was tired. Now I give Dan Marino credit. He did the interview, but I could tell he was really not into it. So I laughed going home because all I could like think of was this was my idol. This was probably my favorite athlete of all time who almost dissed me for an interview. Now, that was fine. We did the interview. And then a few years later, he came back and did another interview, and he was in a much better better frame of mind. So I really enjoyed the interview. As far as the most, the favorite athlete I've interviewed, I got to tell you, Jean Beliveau was remarkable. I interviewed John Beliveau on a radio station as a youngster for 50 minutes. Like what a, what a gracious, gracious interview. Wayne Gretzky too. I got the interview at a golf tournament and I was the only one there. I don't know how this happened, but I was the only one there to interview Wayne Gretzky. It was unbelievable. And he approached me. He saw my microphone. Wow. He, that's what I said too. He came to me. And I just thought, I was like, I was shaking and he was remarkable. Those are the interviews that I remember Marino Beliveau, and Gretzky were probably the top three, but uh, really lucky. Everybody I've interviewed has had a great story, has been gracious with their time. I remember going up to Thunder Bay to interview the Stahl family. So I interviewed their sons, you know, Mark Jordan and Eric at various NHL locations. And went up to Thunder Bay to interview Frank and Linda Stahl and they couldn't have been more gracious. Oh, they were so good. And, and Frank gave us a tour of Thunder Bay and, Obviously, proud of his hometown, proud of his kids as he should be. Uh, that was a, such a fun, fun day in Thunder Bay with Frank and Linda Stahl, too. I remember that.
1: Okay, definitely. And uh, like I said, even with my podcast, I love hearing my guest stories because everybody has a different story, oh, yeah. to have, including myself. I have stories myself, and it's just great to share stories with my
0: guests and them with my audience as well. And the beauty of it, too, Chris, is sometimes – After, like, when I hang up, I'm going to say, oh, I should have told Chris this story. Oh, wow. How about, you know, all these stories come flashing back at you, usually after after the case, after the interview. But I think that's the beauty of this business because it's the people. Again, the great people you meet lead to so many great
1: stories definitely and that sometimes happens with me after my podcast why didn't i ask this person yeah. this and that but sometimes yeah. you know what but uh, i'm generally lucky I, I get guests that come on a, a second time in the future so i've been nice. pretty fortunate yeah i haven't had one guest say hey this has been a bad experience i'm never coming back on again so Good. Good very lucky this one i'm i just Quick question. I'm going to put you on this really quick thoughts on the NHL playoffs quickly and the NBA finals, Celtics warriors who takes it. And just a quick thought on the 2022 Toronto blue Jays team so far. Sure. Well,
0: we'll do the blue Jays first. I think for a team that hasn't hit its offensive stride, they're doing really well. Um, it's remarkable how they've had great pitching performances from the likes of Gossman and Manoa at times Barrios yet. They still have some issues on the mound, you know, and they're starting to get their hitting legs now with Kirk and Bichette and Springer yet Vladimir Guerrero and Teoscar Hernandez have slowed down. So I think the blue Jays are in really good shape despite those struggles from Vladdy and Teoscar and on the pitching mound. So I really like what I've seen from the blue Jays. I'm going to be really intrigued, Chris, to see what moves they make ahead of the trade deadline. Do they bolster their bullpen? Do they bolster their starting pitching? Will they go out to find a big left-handed bat? And I'm looking forward to seeing Moreno play. How can he alter that offensive lineup? So I've been really considering everything that's happened to the Blue Jays. I think they've done better than you could have expected considering the lack of production they're getting from Vladi and Teoscar. As far as the NBA Finals, Steph Curry cemented himself as one of the top 10 players in NBA history last night absolutely cemented himself. And I think because of that performance, I think the Warriors are going to find another gear and they're going to win the title on home court, probably in seven games. It just This has a seven-game feel to it. I like Boston. They are tough defensively, really tough. But it's hard not to root for Steph Curry. As far as the NHL playoffs, I think they have been outstanding. So many competitive games, especially in the first round, I love seeing the success of the Oilers. I loved watching the Battle of Alberta. I liked how the Maple Leafs gave a really good Tampa team a hard time and was this close to advancing out of the first round for the first time since far I love how the Avalanche have really taken their game to another level. And I think an Avalanche-Lightning Stanley Cup final could be outstanding, especially if Tampa gets Braden Point back. Uh, but I've really enjoyed watching the NHL playoffs this year. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I know some people, and I have probably was part of it, didn't like the officiating I saw at times. But I think they're trying to, you know, mimic, if you will, what's called in the regular season, call it in the playoffs, which is fine. Some of these ticky-tack penalties drive me crazy, but they drive me crazy in the regular season too. But I've really enjoyed watching the NHL playoffs. Just outstanding playing. And you realize, Chris, it is a marathon. Like you look at the injuries the Avalanche have endured, yet here they are, four wins away from the Stanley Cup. It is not an easy thing to win. And whoever wins it will definitely have deserved it and have earned it. I
1: was going to say, what a difference a year or two years makes from when 2020, when this pandemic
0: shut everything down. What a difference. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And it's amazing when you have fans in there, right? When you have fans and a full building and the energy fans bring it just elevates the game of every single player on the ice to new levels.
1: Definitely. And I'm going to wrap this up because I know you're going to go into work at five o'clock. Uh, yep. You already answered the second part of this question, Tony, but where can my audience find you again on social media?
0: So I think I'm on Twitter, Tony underscore Ambrosio. Same thing with Instagram. Uh, those are probably the best forms that I use. I don't use a TikTok or a Snapchat, but those are my two big things. And I've got a website, TonyAmbrosio.com. If you ever want to reach out via an email, you can do it through that uh, for sure. But yeah, I'm I'm not a real big social media guy. I just, I I just, I like listening and watching other people as much as I feel like I should be presenting myself to other people. You know, you know what I mean? That's just me. Um, And as far as the advice, again, go for it. Just go for it. If you want to do a career in journalism, give it a shot. Don't leave yourself with any regrets whatsoever. That would be my biggest advice.
1: And uh, take advantage of any opportunities that are given
0: to you as well. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree with that. Yeah. And and, and try not to say no. You know, if you have a chance to shoot camera for a local Rogers event, even though it's volunteering, do it. If you have a chance to do play-by-play, you want to pursue it, do it. Just give everything a shot. Because you never know what you might like and what your passion might lie at.
1: And that's one thing I've learned too, is nothing's given to you. You have to go out and reach for it and make contacts, Absolutely. and and that's yep. all. And, uh, Hey, I was going to say, Tony, I really enjoyed, uh, talking to you, speaking with you this, this afternoon and, uh, sharing stories with you and, uh, getting more great advice from you. And, uh, I'd love to have you back on again as a guest in the future as well.
0: Anytime, Chris, I really, I really enjoyed it. Really love talking to you. You're doing a great job. Love your energy. Love your thoroughness. Love your preparation. Love your questions. Yeah. Anytime you want to have me on, just let me know.
1: Okay, no problem. I really appreciate that. And I was going to say, I hope you have a great night at work, and I'll be watching Thank TSN you. later tonight because nice. the Bandits, the Bandits, Colorado game is on at eight o'clock tonight with right. Pat Gregor, John Abbott. I think's doing the game.
0: I think. And, so. and I Ashley John was doing the NHL games too. So yeah. Yeah, I was going to say being
1: in Windsor last night and then Denver tonight is crazy. So Now, he,
0: he might be doing this lacrosse game from Toronto, like off okay. of television. No, I don't know. But that's a okay. possibility. But, yeah, if you had to go to Denver, that, that's a tough track for sure.
1: Okay, no problem. But uh, anyways, Tony, we am going to let you go. But uh, thank you so much for coming on Season 3, Episode 50 of Live with CDP Podcast. And we'll definitely keep in touch with you on social media.
0: Thank you so much, Chris. I enjoyed it. All the best. You too. Have a great day. Thanks, you too.
1: Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed my podcast with Tony Ambrugio, freelance story editor with TSN. He's on TSN 1050 radio station. He's also a public address announcer for the OHL's Mississauga Steelheads, and he's also a teacher at Centennial College and uh, teaches um, uh, sports media as well. So uh, you can check him out on Twitter as well, guys. Just bear with me, and I will find my graphics right here, you can fi- uh, follow Tony on Twitter at Tony underscore Ambrosio. And you can also check out his website as well. Great website, great information there as well. And Tony is also on TSN uh, TSN website, tsn.ca. And he's also on TSN 1050 AM. And uh, like I said, you guys, if you want to email Tony, you can also email him at uh, Tony Ambrosio. 2000 at gmail as well and uh guys i just wanted to let you know uh, my next live with cdp podcast is going to be this monday june 13th at seven o'clock eastern my guest is going to be griffin della pena He's a member of the media uh, content department for the Buffalo Sabres and Buffalo Bandits. He basically writes uh, for the Sabres website and the Buffalo Bandits website, and he's also an aspiring broadcaster uh, coming out of the Buffalo area from Canisius College. Really good guy, uh, Griffin. Knows his Sabres, knows his Bandits, and is very passionate about sports. So I'm looking forward to speaking to Griffin this Monday at 7 o'clock about the Buffalo Bandits, if they can win uh, their first NL title since 2008 tonight, or if there will be a Game 3. So if you guys can tune in to Season 3, Episode 51 of Live with CDP Podcast this Monday night, June 13th at 7 o'clock with Griffin Della Pena. Pena. So, anyways, also guys, check out Are You Serious Tap and Girl on 130 Silver Creek Parkway North and Guelph. Phone number is 519 766 230 It's the official pub of Bill's Mafia in Guelph. Great wings, great Andy Heatles, uh, lots of selections of beer and good service there. So check out Are You Serious Tap and Girl in Guelph at 130 Silver Creek Parkway North and Guelph. And you can also check out their website. Are you serious? Dot biz b i z slash, and you can check out their menu menu and stuff like that as well. Uh, before I go, guys, like I said, uh, just one moment. Uh, Live with CDP podcast. The audio version is downloaded to Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, Castbox, and LinkedIn. And also, I want to say thank you to everybody watching this live on my YouTube channel today. I'm up to 106 subscribers. If you haven't subscribed yet, please hit the subscribe notification. And thank you to everyone watching this on Facebook Live and also on my Twitter page live at Pomey. If you haven't followed me, I'm up to 875 followers as well. So I'm still working on building my uh, media presence as well. Uh, Just to let you guys know, tomorrow I'm going to be at... OHL finals game five, uh, Windsor at Hamilton at the first Ontario center. Thanks to the OHL and Josh Sweetland, uh, They're manager of media relations. Uh, they set me up with a media pass to cover the game tomorrow at the first Ontario center. I, uh, and I will be doing live video feeds from the arena. Uh, hopefully after the game, we'll be able to talk to some coaches and players. And I'm going to be writing a blog about the, the Spitfires Bulldogs uh, critical game number five. And also, um, I'm going to be posting some stuff on my uh, social media pages. So check for me on social media tomorrow uh, for my live interviews with coaches and players and my blog later on. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm going to have to go up uh, to the fourth floor press box there, and it's over a catwalk. So I'm going to have to not look down where I'm walking. But I'm looking forward to this. So I want to say thank you to Josh Wheatland again, who's the manager of media relations with the OHL, for setting me up with the media pass. And thank you to the Ontario Hockey League as well. And I'm looking forward to being at this great game and hopefully doing a really good job uh, covering the game as a freelance media member as well. Also, guys, you can follow me on TikTok at Live with CDP. That's at Live with CDP on TikTok. And you guys can follow me on LinkedIn, Chris Pome, and Instagram, Chris Pome as well. Guys, uh, I'm getting new Live with CDP merchandise this summer. I'm going to be getting new podcast shirts. And they're still going to be $15, but I've decided to change the look of the podcast shirt. So I'm going to have some shirts made up in the next couple of weeks. If you're interested in a, a new Live with CDP podcast shirts, they're going to be $15 uh, plus shipping if you're out of Guelph. So, um, and I think you guys are going to like the new changes I'm making to my podcast shirts. If you still want a coffee mug, uh, they're $15. And my new podcast hats, or 18 if you like one shipping is extra like i said if you're out of guelph and out of the country so please give me a uh, a call or a dm if you're interested in a, a new alive with cdp podcast as well and before we go guys uh just get some cfl news get cfl on tonight uh, we have Hamilton in Saskatchewan at seven o'clock and Edmonton at BC at 10 o'clock kickoff on TSN uh, opening night for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and for the BC Lions as well. Um, Again, it's the Edmonton Elks. If I said the Eskimos, the Edmonton Elks. I got to get used to their name change. So um should be two good games last night. Winnipeg last night won 19-17 in a threatening game that came down to a 25-yard field goal kick at the end. And speaking of that, the Toronto Argonauts open up their regular season and home opener this Thursday, June 16th, 730 at BMO field in Toronto against the Montreal Alouettes. The game will be on TSN and also on TSN 1050 with uh, the voice of the Toronto Argonauts, Mike Hogan as well. And I'm hoping to be down BMO field this summer for at least two Argo games as a media member as well. And also guys, you got the 2022 NL finals game two on tonight, Buffalo, Colorado. It's on 8 PM. That's 8 PM Eastern on TSN ESPN plus, and also on, uh, WGR 550 with John Googler. And uh, we'll see if the Bandits can win their fifth-ever National Lacrosse League championship tonight or if Colorado will extend the series to a third game, which would be next Saturday, June 18th at 7 o'clock from the Key Bank Center in Buffalo, if necessary. So we'll see what happens there as well. And also, guys, the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs tonight, East Final, Game 6. Rangers at Tampa Bay, Lightning are up 3-2. Tampa wins tonight. They advance to the Stanley Cup Finals against Colorado. If if the Rangers win tonight, there'll be a Game 7 Monday night, I think, at Madison Square Gardens as well. And also, guys, just to let you know, the Gulf Storm yesterday announced that they've made some changes to their hockey staff in preparation for the 2022-2023 season. George Burnett will now just be the general manager and former Storm head coach and their part owner. Scott Walker will now assume their head coaching position. Uh, Chad Wiseman will still be there. And they brought in Todd Miller from the Barry Colts. And uh, like I said, uh, George Burnett will remain with the franchise as their general manager. So, um, yeah, I guess, like I said, the uh, Storm ownership um, the, who bought the team this year have decided they want one person to do in the GM role and one doing the coaching role. So Scott Walker is back with the Storm. 140 wins as Storm head coach. He's their second winning as hey coach after. George Burnett, who I believe has over 180 wins, so um, I think it's a good move. I think uh, uh, George is still going to be an asset as general manager, and uh, Scott Walker obviously uh, led the storm to one of their best years in 2014 season and very close to a Memorial Cup championship. Unfortunately, they lost that final game to Edmonton Oilers King six to three at Budweiser Garden. So um, that's about it. Anyways, guys, uh, that's about it for my podcast. But again, uh, I want to say thank you to my guest, Tony Ambrosio, for coming on today and talking about his great career in media and TV and radio and behind the scenes and on the camera and on the mic. And I really enjoyed it. So uh, I am really I had a great guest today for Season 3, Episode 50 of Live with CDP Podcast. So again, next Live with CDP Podcast quickly is going to be this Monday, June 13th, 7 o'clock Eastern. My guest is Griffin Della Pena. Pena. Uh, the member of the media content department for the Buffalo Sabres and Buffalo Bandits. He basically, like I said before, is a a writer for their Sabres website and the Bandits website. And and he's also an aspiring uh, sports broadcaster as well. So a really good guy. I met him at the key bank center uh, when I was covering the Bandits rock game on, uh, on uh, April 30th there. And I'm looking forward to speaking to Griffin uh, this Monday night uh, at seven o'clock. So I hope everybody has a great night great rest of the weekend and we'll look forward to seeing you guys for season three episode 51 of live with cdp podcast this monday june 13th at seven o'clock again so i hope everybody has a great weekend again and uh, we'll see you monday night at seven o'clock for a live with cdp podcast